Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. I can't believe Neil actually called it. Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three. Hello, Cobblers fans. Welcome to your second dose of It's All Cobblers to Me for the week. We are the only podcast dedicated to Northampton Town. Coming up on the show, we celebrate a first win of the season and ask whether the boys can go again on Saturday against Colchester. I'm Charles, and joining me today are Neil. Hello. And Chessie, who is fresh from watching Andy Williams hand over a £50 note to some guy carrying a flag. Have you recovered from the shock of seeing us record a victory, Chessie? Not quite, I don't think. But I'm sure I'll come back down to earth with a bit of a bump against Colchester. (laughs) That's the worry, isn't it, now? Is that (laughs) we've tested success and it's all going to go horribly wrong again. (laughs) Ever the pessimist. Ever the pe- well, Northampton fans, that's what we are, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. uh, so, yes, so last night the Cobblers did go away to Swindon and came back with three points in their loot. Um, smash and grab, I think, were the words you used, Neil. Yeah, it was a little bit, wasn't it? Um, not that we're complaining, are we? No, absolutely not. Hell no. I thought we played all right, actually, to be honest. I think it was a massive step up from Saturday. And I think that they were fairly organised defensively, which I know was a massive worry for us going into the game. I think they did step up and I think we could see 
what they were trying to do, which is what we've talked about a lot in the last couple of weeks, isn't it? It's, we we forgive them more if you can see what they're trying to do. A few things didn't come off, a few things that didn't get right, but actually on the whole, you could see what they were they were trying to get at and what they were trying to do with the play, and it seemed to be okay. It wasn't great, but it also wasn't poor either, I don't think. Yeah, I think I'd go with that. I mean, defensively, we were definitely a whole lot better than we have been over the last, well, the, the previous, forgetting Swansea, the, the previous league games. Um, I, I mean, we, we suddenly looked like we knew what we were doing and what we were going to do. And it was one of those where you kind of went, we, we've basically come here, haven't we, to just get maybe one or two chances and hope that we can put it away. I mean, when Jordan Turnbull had that effort in the first half, which was basically the only effort that we had, um, you kind of thought, oh, have we have we fluffed our lines here? Are we going to have to be content with a nil-nil draw? But I don't think it, it didn't play out like that as such um, when you were watching it because we didn't really look under huge amounts of pressure for much of the game, maybe the last 10 minutes or so. But generally, they held their own, and we did have a couple of odd chances. But again, it was quite obvious that we haven't got a clear-cut ability in the final third. But actually, they weren't under that huge pressure that I thought they would be. I thought Swindon would eat them for breakfast, and they just simply didn't. Whether that was because Swindon weren't as good as we were expecting, or whether that's because we stepped up, remains to be seen. But I do think that it didn't play out for me as much of a one-sided match as maybe it came across for you guys. I'm not sure. I, I want to know, Neil, if, if you still felt confident come 7.45 last night as you did when we recorded the last podcast on, what was that, Sunday night? I think, weirdly, I felt more confident. Really? Don't <laughs> generally what happens, isn't it? And it gets closer to kickoff. Generally, you think that, oh, yeah, we're probably going to win today. Um, and I agree with with Chessie, actually. I thought we, first half especially, I thought we more than held our own. And I, I'd go as far as saying, certainly for the first 30, 35 minutes, we looked a better team. We did lack a cutting edge still, um, which is of, of a concern because I think we kind of know that Keith Curl can set us up for performances like this, a bit backs to the wall. You know, they're a bit low on confidence. And it's sort of everyone in it together. Like think of Tranmere away last year, um, that sort of performance where we never expected to get anything from there, and it was set up a little bit. But I thought actually first half we played some quite good stuff, but we just lacked it in the final third. Um, second half was a little bit more their half, I'd say. But like Jesse said, they only really piled on the pressure the last sort of ten minutes. Really, they had a few chances, but there was I think Cornell only made one real proper save. That was the one where he tipped it over the bar. Um, it's, it's it's almost like what you'd describe as almost the perfect away perfect away performance, isn't it? Always use those words. <laughs> I'd agree with that. Go on then, Chessie. I mean, you were the only one of us that actually went there. Um, me, Neil, and Danny, who isn't here tonight because he's on babysitting duties uh, or dad's duties, we should really call it. All three of us watched it on iFollow, so we didn't quite get the same feeling i mean i was watching it most of the time on a train coming back from manchester um you were at the match i mean what was it like actually being there was the tension a bit more visible for you um i don't think there's necessarily tension i just think that we all knew we needed to win didn't we 
Um, so I think we went in with a bit of expectation. And I also do think it kind of helped that I think we all thought we were going to get battered. So Not we, all of us. We hadn't, well, apart from you, <laughs> clearly. It's always one. And it's always him. It's so annoying. <laughs> but I, th- I think in a way that that kind of took the pressure off because really and truly we had nothing to lose, did we, by going there and getting a nil-nil or even losing because they're top of the league, they're coasting. You know, what difference does it make really at this point of the season if you're going to lose to the team that are top of the league? Not, not much. But I think flip it the other way around and actually coming away from there with the result was a really, really vital step for us for the season, I think, because we can now build on that. But I do think that it played into our hands, really, being under the pressure that we were in terms of needing a performance and needing a win because we had nothing to lose and therefore they went for it and it worked. And Neil's 100% right when he said um, about Keith Kell setting us up for a backs against the wall performance. Yes, he's brilliant at that. He has been since since he came to this club. He's always been very good at being able to get a result away from home when you really shouldn't do that on a Tuesday night. And, he, and it does seem to work for him. I don't know what he does, but it seems to work. I'm literally just going to check one thing, which is that last season... We remember how we started and we eventually got our first win against Colchester, didn't we? Which happens to be the next team that we play. Um, I just want to double check here. We started off at home to Lincoln and lost, didn't we? 1-0. And then went to Carlisle and got a 2 all draw. Then we played the League Cup, which was um, a one all draw with Wickham until we went out on penalties. Um. But we've then had Cambridge United, which was a two-all draw at our place. Then we lost to Morecambe in that dreadful eye-follow night that me and you hated so much, Neil. Um, And then finally, we then won 2-1 away at Colchester. So that is a total of league matches only. One, two, three, four. It was the fifth game of the season before we won last year. So at least we've knocked two games on the head of it this year, I suppose. That's a good thing. But, of course, we followed up the the Colchester performance with only a draw away at Tranmere, uh, sorry, at home to Tranmere, and then we lost 3-1 to Cheltenham at home. So there's, there's still a little bit in my head that is a bit worried and not wanting to, you know, build this victory up from last night too much. I mean, is there anything actually in the performance that, that means I shouldn't be feeling so negative still? Um, I think they were stronger and they looked a little bit more resilient, which helps. But I do think there's an awful lot of work that Keith Girl has to do. But I was quite um, impressed with the way he came out and said, we have got to do better. We needed that. I think the players needed that because they needed to realise that actually we weren't going to, fans weren't going to stand for that kind of performance because it's, it just wasn't good enough. I think they were a little bit more driven. They had a little bit more about them. Um, They were definitely more defensively organised. But I do think it comes down to team selection and starting Williams had a massive impact on the game. Massive impact. So I think really we need to be encouraged by the team selection. I know he tinkers with the team all the time, 
but hopefully he will see what everybody else saw at Swindon and take on board and keep that team as it is because that was more effective. wasn't perfect, wasn't anywhere near perfect, but it was more effective. I think um, the, the positive definitely is the organisation and the effort. I think one of the things we noticed, didn't we, against Macclesfield was that they were pretty lethargic and pretty slow and they didn't really seem to be sort of up and at them and it was all just a bit bumbling along. Whereas you could certainly see against Swindon, they, they had urgency and you couldn't legislate or you couldn't have a pop at any of them for, for not giving 100%. And that's all you ask, right? And and Keith Curl's very keen on always saying that hard work's the, the bare minimum. And that's their standard now, right? They've just set that against Swindon. There's other things that need ironing out definitely going forward. Defensively, it looked a lot more solid, and I thought they had defensive performance-wise, it was excellent. And I, and I think that was, in part, not just solely down to the defence, but I think it was down to the whole team, but especially to Jordan Turnbull, because um, he played centre midfield, didn't he? Yeah. Until uh, until Scott Wharton went off injured, and I mm. thought Turnbull was brilliant in the yeah. middle. Turnbull was brilliant, but I'll tell you who changed the game entirely. It was Chris Lines. Really? He, he yeah, yeah, yeah. There was he just bossed midfield, just bossed it. And he just produced some stuff that was just a cut above the rest. And I think if he can produce that continuously and produce it game after game, I think we have a player in him. Um, We saw glimmers of of it last night, I think. We didn't see anything like I think he's capable of, but I think we we could do. Do you think that, I mean, going back to what I've said before about Chris Lyons, after the Walsall game in particular, which was that it, it kind of depends on on the team allowing him to get in the game, I think. You know, that game against Walsall, it was pretty much bypass the midfield at all costs. So Lyons was never in the game. Whereas I suppose maybe because of the fact that we were set up quite defensively, that actually gave a little bit more, uh, I don't know, maybe a little bit more time for Chris Lyons to get into the game. You know, he was coming back, I noticed, you know, to sort of pick up the the ball from just in front of the defence. But also, going back to what you said about Andy Williams, is that Andy Williams won a lot of headers that were long balls from the back, from either David Cornell or, you know, uh, from Charlie Good or Scott Wharton pumping the ball forward. Andy Williams actually won a lot of those headers. And then basically passed it back into Chris Lyons in the midfield. That was the big thing that I noticed last night compared to the other two games that I've seen, Walsall and Port Vale. Um, Smith just doesn't do that. And there's no one running on from uh, beyond Smith either. So even if he wins a flick on, which happened very rarely, there's no one going to pick the ball up. Andy Williams knows how to use his head to pick a pass, I think. That's a big, big difference. Yeah, I totally agree with that statement, actually. I think that Williams William, Williams knows what he's doing. He's, he's a proper footballer. Um, and I think that he he did make a, a big difference. And that team generally and the way they were set out to play made a massive difference. So he was able to make use of what the midfield were giving him. He was get, getting service for a start. When I went to watch the game um, on the first day of the season against Walsall, like you said, it was just totally bypassed the midfield and they didn't really stand a chance because it was just literally one way and that was it. And as soon as our game plan was found out, that was it. We were on the back foot. And last night, we 
we tried a few different things. It wasn't just constantly lumped towards Adams in the hope that it would go in. They played football, didn't they? Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, Definitely in the first half, not so much in the second half, but you can probably kind of forgive that a little bit because the pressure was starting to pile up a little bit. But definitely in the first half, they played more football and they actually passed it around a little bit, which... And then, I mean, he signed these midfielders based on the fact that they're ball players, and it makes sense that that's the style we should we should take because certainly against Walsall and and I didn't see Port Vale, but against Macclesfield, it was just going long too often, and there's no point in having ball players in midfield if you're just going to go long. Whereas yesterday, or against Swindon, it it was more football, and it wasn't total football or anything. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it was more passing through the midfield and a couple of little interchanges and that sort of thing, which worked. And it and it looked like it gained us a foothold in the game. And we gave as good as we got in the first half. And that's got to be how we continue. Do you think that's possible? Do you think we are going to continue? I'm still worried that, you know, come Saturday, we're just going to revert back to what happened against Macclesfield, which I think, personally, a lot of it was down to arrogance almost. It, it felt like listening to it on the radio, that, that we we thought that all we had to do to win was just turn up? It depends. I think it depends on who the team he picks. Um, and I think the most likely thing is I'd probably be surprised to see Andy Williams start on Saturday, um, just just on the basis that he's he's played Tuesday night up front on his own. And he's, I think Keith Curl called it like the graveyard shift, didn't he? Yeah which basically just a lot and a lot of running and a lot of tearing around, chasing lost, chasing lost causes and stuff. I'd be surprised if he's ready for another full 90 minutes on Saturday, but hopefully he is. But the concern, I guess, is if he starts Harry Smith up front, then we'll revert to type and just keep trying to go long. So I, I think a lot will depend on the team he picks. What What would you do then? Would you go with Andy Williams? I, I personally... I, I was going to say knowing Andy Williams, I don't know him obviously personally, but I imagine that he's the kind of guy that will be turning around to Keith Curl and saying, no, I'm fine. I had a nice rest on Wednesday. I'm good to go, boss. Um, I mean, would would you go with Andy Williams again if, if you know, you had the, well, had the choice yourself and if you weren't worried about his fitness? I would. Yeah, absolutely. I would as well. I'd play Williams again, um, providing he's fit and ready I definitely would play him um, no chance of seeing Sam Hoskins up front on his own then this Saturday you think uh, let's hope not <laughs> and also as well talking about that um, the thing about fitness these guys are professional footballers it's what they do for a living they should be fit after playing on a Tuesday night into a Saturday so I would expect him to be playing because my expectation as a fan is that they're fit and they're match fit and therefore can play on a Tuesday night and on a Saturday night, regardless of whether he's run around. You know, that's his job and he's very good at it. So he needs to be re-picked in that team. Good point. Well, let's let's talk about the obvious massive elephant in the room. No, not Danny. He's not here. Um, was it offside? No, don't be silly. Clean on. <laughs> I, I particularly liked, uh, was it oh, Simply O'Toole on Twitter who drew a very nice... Very straight, squiggly line for uh, all of us as if it was VAR on Twitter last night. It was such a tricky one, though, wasn't it? Because it it happened so quickly and it almost... Anyone would think it was football. Yeah, it had had ricocheted and it didn't didn't look clear-cut. 
And that poor Lino, uh, he didn't stand a chance really against those Swindon players. But I mean, you know. I'd like to know Look, what your original initial reaction to it was, both of you. Because obviously you were there, Chessie and Neil, you were watching on, on the iFollow. Um, I mean, I, I'm presuming that we had a better view of it on the TV because it was our side of the pitch, whereas you guys were on the opposite side uh, in the opposite stand. So what, what, what did you think? Were you sort of thinking, oh, this is going to get ruled out or were you just madly celebrating a goal, Jesse? Which one do you think? I think you'd be able to guess, wouldn't you? I think you were sat there going, oh no, head in hands moment because it's the cobblers. Oh God, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, no, I, I, we didn't care. We didn't care. And also as well, if you if you look, I, when I watched the replay, I didn't see it, but when you watch the replay, you can actually see Andy Williams look and then look again because he, go, he goes behind the goal to celebrate and if he looks and then looks again before he, he starts celebrating and I, and even he was like oh i'm not sure but i mean it when you're there it does it you know you just celebrate don't you neil uh yeah but it was offside wasn't it not much else to say yeah i'm not sure what <laughs> i'm not sure i could have much i'm afraid yeah it was offside <laughs> um but we'll take it i've no doubt there'll be a time in this season where a decision goes against us and they tend to even themselves out, don't they? Really? I mean, could you could you maybe say that it already has that is evening out? What happened at Port Vale with their, um, you know, that they got a corner that they said that we said shouldn't have been a corner. Um, mm, no, I no. would say no. <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to you know sort of make sure <laughs> that maybe we've already evened out and we're okay. We've got nothing to worry about moving. No, forward. it's going to come back to us at, but <laughs> at some also point as well. Also, as well, the the fallout with the Swindon lot. I mean, you had ninety minutes against a you know porter averaging football team. You're top of the league, and you couldn't correct it. Bang on about how it cost us the game. No, it didn't cost you the game. It cost you the game because you weren't clinical enough in front of goal. This has nothing to do with us. It's, 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 that's, that's football, though, isn't it? And that's football fans. Neil would be doing oh, exactly the same if it was the other way around. Well, absolutely, and, and ultimately, it would have been nil-nil, though, wouldn't it? If, yeah. But then you can't say that because you, you know you, you don't know what would have happened if that had been. You don't know. You just don't know what would have happened. But you, I can understand, obviously, why they're annoyed and stuff. But I think they have gone a bit over the top, it's, especially this early in the season. It's not like it's a playoff game or something like that, is it? All those players should have been booked. Yeah, I would have booked a few of them. Yeah. It was awful. There was a there was somebody on on Twitter, and it was a Swindon fan actually that was replying to one of our tweets that. Um, he ended up in an argument with with one of the fans, uh, our fans. But he was basically saying, "Look at look at the referee. The referee didn't book any of our players because he knew it was wrong." And I'm just a bit like that, going, "Hmm, okay, fine." But he was going a strong referee, and we'd have won that match. I'm, I was. He's a Premier League referee, though. That we ha- it was. I can't remember what his name was, but he's a Premier League referee. Craig Hicks. That's it. That's it. So, it's a, so he's a Premier League referee then, Jesse and. They he wasn't strong enough for them. I th- I think that's quite telling it. I mean, the one thing that I will say is that Swindon have been banging on fans. This is have been banging on about this as if they were, as if they you know as if they deserve to be top of the league at the end of the season. They they seem to be forgetting that we're three games in. It, you know they 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 had what six points and they were top of the league. It's it's hardly you know they're, they're hardly Liverpool or City are they? 
No, exactly. Yeah, get over it. Right. Yeah, it was offside. Unlucky. Didn't do enough to beat us anyway. So I don't really. Yeah, like some of their fans on Twitter are ridiculous. One of them was like, "Oh, we should have had two penalties." I mean, you shouldn't have even had one penalty. It wasn't even a question. Can't even think of even two incidents in the box that might even even become a questionable penalty. I can't like. They're just idiots. New. I hate Swindon. <laughs> what did you think of Richie Wellens as well? I mean, I've never liked him, but the way he was at the end. I mean, wearing a suit and then bright white trainers was quite an image, I have to say. It's, it's this, he's an idiot, isn't he? I mean, he's obviously, he's let his emotions get away with him and you can't blame him because it was a bad decision. So you can kind of understand, I guess, but he's still an idiot. and he's had a He pop. looks angry though, doesn't he? He's got one of those faces which just screams anger. He's got one of them faces that just screams, punch him. <laughs> he, um, I he had a pop at Keith Curl, didn't he, as well, about the tactics and stuff. Which oh, yeah. is why, I, I, that sort of thing. Like, I'd much rather we're going and winning games and every manager and opposition fans are up in arms about the fact we've won and stuff than yeah. going and losing games and everyone, the opposition fans and managers saying, well, they're a great team. So yeah. let's, let them get on with it. That's basically what happened last year, wasn't it, with Dean Austin? Every, every opposition player, uh, manager was sort of saying, oh, it's a brilliant result because Northampton is such a great passing side. They're such a great team and we've managed to beat them. This is a fantastic result. Well, not for us, it wasn't. You know, we, we were watching our team play apparently the best football in the league, but, you know, in the bottom four at the time when Austin actually ended up leaving. I'd, I'd, as you say, Neil, I'd much rather be playing, you know, route one, hoofing up the pitch and coming away with three points every weekend it'd be it'd be perfect yeah also also as well um i think it says a lot about a a manager whether it's the opposition manager or whether it's our manager who feels the need or feels it necessary to just use the club that have beaten them as the reason that they've lost it takes much more of a manager to turn around and say do you know what we got it wrong and we weren't good enough and actually, if I was a Swindon fan, I'd be quite alarmed by the fact that their manager has come out and just blamed everything else apart from them. I'm Nicky Adams, and it's all cobblers to me. It's all cobblers to me is completely free and available through all podcast providers. We want as many cobblers fans to listen as possible, and you can help us. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Just search It's All Cobblers to Me and get sharing and retweeting us. You can also leave us a review on your podcast app. iTunes is a good one. Just search It's All Cobblers to Me, click five stars, and then write your review. Keep letting us know what you like about the show and anything you don't. This show is for you, the Cobblers faithful. Thank you for listening. So at the beginning of the week, the AFL announced that they'd made a decision regarding what will happen if Berry do forfeit um, their, I don't know, their position in the league, I suppose it is, um, come Friday. The EFL gave Berry till Friday or Steve Dale to make sure that he could prove his funds and all this, that and the other. And obviously we're recording this on Wednesday night. And so far, it doesn't look like anything's going to change. So the EFL did confirm that if Berry do uh, you know, go defunct by Friday, then there will be three teams relegated from League One this season, but still the four promotion places from League Two. I mean, in a way, and I don't mean this in the way it's going to sound, but it's it's good news for us and other League Two clubs 
that we're not being affected. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, agree with you, Charles. I think it is good news for us and good news for the other League One clubs, isn't it? Um, it I, I'm a little bit torn on the Berry situation because you never want to see a football club go bust and you never want to see a football club go out of business. Mm. But technically they've cheated, haven't they? This is the argument that I am seeing more and more is that they're basically saying that they've they've just thrown money at it and gone they, to hell with what happened. And they didn't we'll have, have a promotion. Yeah. I do get it because any other business, then you would just go, you'd go out of business, wouldn't you? Yeah. If you decided, right, we're going to go and let, you know, let's say that I decided last year when I set up my business, I just went, right, I'm just going to go and buy everything I need to make a home studio. It's going to cost me about £20,000. Do I have twenty grand? No, I don't, but I'm going to put it all on a credit card. And not pay it back. As soon as I, and then not pay it back. I mean, what would happen? I'd, I'd be, well, bankrupt by now, wouldn't I? Yeah, exactly. You know, the credit card company would have come after me long ago. Yeah, yeah. so I, I get it, and I get the, the empathy and the sympathy with the actual Berry fans, because it's not their fault. But it... I kind of I'm struggling a bit with with over over egging it if that makes sense and being mm. caring that much about it because you know I mean they had who did they have at front last year didn't they they had um, Jermaine Beckford didn't they Jermaine Beckford was definitely the club it was uh, who was the guy that is it was it Naylor was that their number yeah. number ten yeah. they had a fair few players didn't they had what's his name they had another fella didn't they that played in the prem playing in midfield for him he might even still be there I don't know um, I forget his name but they had a, they had some relatively high profile players and it's, it's just over overspending when you haven't got the money and stuff and it, ha- it happens in football of course it does but it's kind of more difficult to have sympathy for that sort of case whereas if it was a case of I don't know. I'm trying to think of someone. Like, I guess it's generally always <laughs> overspending, isn't it? But if you look at our our situation mm. when we were we were struggling, we hadn't necessarily really overspent on players, had we? We we just had a bit of a dodgy chairman who nicked ten million quid allegedly, allegedly, and decided he couldn't didn't want to pay the rest of the bills and stuff. So it, it's a bit of a different kettle of a fish. Rather than going out right, we're going to get a we're going to go out and build a squad that's going to achieve promotion. Even though we know we can't afford it, yeah. I mean, you look at you look at what happened with us. I mean, how long didn't our players get paid for? Was it maybe three months tops? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, Barry's players haven't been paid for however long. I know that Nicky Adams, for example, is still owed quite a bit of money. Um, you know, and he's not been a Barry player for what what we've now August so. At least three months, May to May to now, he's not been a Berry player. Um, you know, I mean, it's shocking. I mean, did did you see Chessie the Talk Sport video that's been doing the rounds on Twitter, where they managed to get Berry chairman Steve Dale on the phone along with a Berry player, and the Berry player basically went all out and attacked Steve Dale, called him a liar, and Steve Dale's only defence was, "You'll see, come Friday, you'll see." And that was it. That was all he basically had to say. I did see it. And I have quite a strong opinion of the whole situation, really, because I think football generally is in a huge, huge... Sorry, my series just gone off because I've said huge. <laughs> I don't know hey, why. That says anyway, a lot about your search so, yeah, history. I think <laughs> it's weird. 
um, yeah, I think football's in a very difficult situation at the moment. And I think we are about to have football changed completely for the way we know it on Friday. I think if Bury do get expelled from the league, I think we are going to set ourselves a very, very difficult precedent um, for clubs coming through. It's a horrible situation, regardless of what club it is. But I do think that the EFL, the FA, all these governing bodies, we have to do something to stop these clubs getting into the situations they're getting into because I actually can't name, I don't think, a club in the bottom three tiers of the EFL now that haven't had financial difficulty. And I think there is a massive, massive problem with the way money is filtered down from the Premier League to the lower leagues. And I think we really do need to look at what we do as a footballing community to stop this happening because it's it's people's livelihoods. Um, I can't remember what the player's name was, the Bury player, but he actually was on the radio saying, I cannot afford to, to keep a roof over my head and feed my children. Why on earth? Are we getting to that point in football? It's shameful. It really is shameful that there are players, regardless of however much they earn, they cannot feed their children and they cannot put a roof over their heads. Now, that isn't football as I know it. And that's never been football as I know it. I don't think that's right. And I don't think that football is showing itself in the light that it should do over this whole entire situation. And I think the EFL need to look at themselves and take responsibility instead of just being bystanders because it's horrific. Fleetwood haven't had financial problems. Nor Derby, nor Ipswich. Oh, Ips- uh, Ipswich have, haven't they? Surely. Well, have they? Even. Yeah, Ipswich have. Ipswich have. Oh, I'll let that yeah. one slide. Uh, Burton <laughs> Albion, they haven't. Burton did, didn't they, before Hasselbank came no, in? They, li- they live within their means. They're pretty well run, Burton. Yeah. Uh, Doncaster have, haven't they? Rochdale, have they? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, they have. I think, yeah, I think the, at the end of the day, it's getting, it is harder to name teams that, that haven't had financial issues compared to those that have. And I mean, there's there's a lot of, obviously, a lot of talk elsewhere in the media about, you know, you know what the EFL should or shouldn't be doing um, to... To, to sort all of this out. Uh, at the end of the day, we're just fans of a of a lower league football club. You know, we support our team through thick and thin, as do the Berry fans. Um, and and like you say, both of you, you know, we we just got to hope that it does get sorted out come Friday. Otherwise, there's going to be an even bigger fallout. But one might argue that it, maybe it needs Berry to go out of existence for something to actually be done for the future of the game. Um, on on a totally different note, um, I've just picked up my Twitter feed and um, Phil Parkinson's gone. He's resigned from Bolton. Has he really? So, yeah, literally this second. So um, he, he said we've been hung out to dry. The players and fans have been hung out to dry. So that just is another example of of the state of football. And I, I wonder whether you are right, Charles. I wonder oh, yeah. whether, unfortunately, and ha- have. <laughs> how awful it would be to lose a club. Maybe that does need to happen for the EFL to actually think, do you know what? We need to do something about this. I, I think that's that, that's kind of saddened me a little bit, the Bolton thing. Phil Parkinson did quite a good uh, good job, I think, of, of not only 
you know, well, the fact that he stayed when when so many players obviously left, um, the fact that he kept working even though he clearly isn't getting paid or wasn't getting paid, the fact that he decided no, I'll I'll take these youth teamers to, you know, Tranmere and and you know other games and, and see how they do. I mean, was it Wickham that they got a nil-nil draw against and it was hailed as like this, you know, an absolutely superb result for them, which of course it would be. Um, Phil Parkinson gave a couple of Chris Wilder-esque speaker, uh, speeches in the media after a couple of those games so far this season. In a way, it's a shame that he's actually just had to go. Um, the problem you've got is people think they can make money out of football clubs. And that's why people that aren't fans of football clubs take over football clubs. They think they can make money from it. And gradually they realise that they can't make money from it. And then they'll stop putting their own money in. And then it just causes problems until they realise they're they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. That's the problem. People think they can make money from a football club. And you're not going to make money from a football club unless you're in the Premier League. And even then it's probably quite tough unless you're one of the top top 10 maybe. Um, Look at our situation anyone you're kidding me if Keith Curl, if Keith Curl, sorry Kelvin Thomas took over Northampton Town for the love of football or for the love of the game or just to do his mate Chris Wilder a favour ah, rubbish he, he saw a business opportunity there of course he did and that's not a fault against him he's a businessman but there's going to come a point if it's not getting to that point already isn't it where he and his backers uh, are not going to want to put any more money in because ultimately they may realise they're not going to get anything back from it. They're never going to get what they want or ultimately it may, it may go through and it may get what they want and they may earn money from it. But the, the, the point is that's the problem. And that's where, where struggles arrive from is because people take over a football club, think they can get money from it, realise they can't. And then it, it all goes to pot. The thing is these people should never be allowed to be put in charge of a football club and run a football club. They, we have to do something with this sport to legalise some kind of framework to stop this kind of thing happening to clubs because otherwise we're just going to have no league whatsoever. It's all just going to fall apart around us. Hello, I'm the voice of Gaviscon, Max Rushton, and it's all cobblers to me. So the next game for Northampton Town is, of course, away at Colchester United. As we said earlier, last year saw us actually go there and come away with a 2-1 victory, which was... A bit of a surprise at the time, I think it seemed to remember. And also it felt like it was going to be the turning point. Dean Austin finally managing to register that win after five games, I think we've already uh, established. Um, Then, of course, Colchester, a bit later in the season, uh, came to six fields in February and hammered us 4-0. That was exciting. I seem to remember me and you, Neil, having a whale of a time at that match. Yeah, what a treat that was. (laughs) just a bit wasn't it crikey Um, so last time out so on Tuesday night Colchester were were away at Grimsby Town and they took a 2-0 lead going into half time a couple of really decent goals Um, Frank Newble is still there wearing the number 45 shirt because I don't know he he likes maths maybe Um, what number does he wear 45 45 I bet it'll be because it'll be uh, someone else has already got the number 9 shirt Four out of five exactly. is nine. That's why, and it's New Blay, isn't yeah. it? Not Nubel. Is it? Is it New Blay? I do apologise. Nubel. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Frank Nobble. <laughs> well, to be honest, that's what I like to call him. It's just a Nobble. 
same as uh, same as Mark at West Ham. He's just a nobble as well. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, a couple of decent goals for them. Um, both of them set up, I think, by uh, Frank Nuble, uh, as you want me to call him. Um, he looked a bit of a handful in the highlights that I watched of their game earlier on um, in that first half. But Grimsby came back. Uh, they won a penalty early on in the second half before... Actually, you should go and find this uh, because their equalising goal was a, a little bit of a humdinger, shall we say, and uh, scored in about the 87th minute, which equalised it for it. A lot of Colchester fans bemoaning their lack of fitness coming towards the end of the games. Apparently, that's the big thing that they've suffered from so far this season. Um, so maybe if we can just keep going and we can maybe out-muscle them for the first, I don't know, 70, 80 minutes, then, then we'll just have to find a winner in the last 10 and it'll be a little bit more of a uh, an easy, breezy afternoon, potentially. What do we think, guys? Looking forward to another three points or worried about coming back down to earth with a bump? Nah, it's another, another three points, isn't it? You're so confident. You just, you're just being annoying for the sake of it now, aren't you? No, I think we'll win on Saturday. I genuinely do. <laughs> so I think, should we line up, not necessarily in the same formation, because we're, we're away, aren't we? We are. So not necessarily in the in the same formation, but in a similar formation to having Williams up, up front, um, not playing Smith, um, I think we'll be all right. I think any other team selection where Harry Smith's involved, I think we'll be in trouble. I, I actually am starting to think that, you know how at the end of the season, I mean, we obviously do it as well, but at the end of the season, there's always uh, awards, isn't there? Mark does it in the fanzine um, where he gets everybody to vote for their, you know, personal highlights and lowlights of the season. There's always that that donkey of the season, isn't there? I've just got a horrible feeling that that's going to be Michael Smith. Or even Harry Smith. Thank you. Yeah. Mike. That's why he's such a donkey. Don't even know his name. He's got to be a donkey, hasn't he? Michael Smith weren't bad, was he, when he played for us? Yeah, he was all right. He was all right, weren't he? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I need to be won over Harry for, on Harry Smith because yet to see any contribution from him at all in any of the games he's played in that has been worthwhile. So maybe a spell out of the team, a couple of games, and then bring him back in slowly but surely, kick up the butt he needs, maybe. Um I tell you what I'd like, actually, and I should have mentioned this earlier on uh, when we were talking about the Swindon game, but when Verdane Oliver came on, there was an obvious... I, because I hadn't seen Verdane Oliver play apart from in that game against Silby where he got his hat-trick, um, where we all just sort of went, well, it's only Silby. Um, he looked really good last night on the iFollow, I thought. You'd said, didn't you, on, a, on, on our last podcast, Neil, that he looked a much better option up front than Harry Smith had done previously. Um, I, yeah. I completely it's got like you know where you were coming from. Yeah, I completely got it from watching his performance when he came on as a sub. So I wouldn't be surprised if Curl was to want to rest Andy Williams, that he goes out there and he, he puts Dane Oliver up front on Saturday. Yeah, I would. the thing is, the Dane Oliver was willing to chase, was willing to close down. Even at the very end of that match, he was running towards that Swindon goalie to put him under mm. pressure. That's what you want. You want somebody that is willing to go out there and put themselves out there and have a go, as opposed to just sit back and let it just be pedestrian and just let it flow in front of you. He, he was quite willing to run his socks off 
for no real cause whatsoever other than to put them under pressure, which is what you need in the last five, ten minutes of the match because we were under a big amount of pressure uh, last night towards the end of that match. And he just, every time the ball went towards their goalie, he was chasing. He was chasing it down. He was, he was keeping his composure and just putting them under pressure. And that's what you want in your squad. You want someone that's hungry for that. There was a moment, actually. Now, I can't remember whether Vidane Oliver was on the pitch at this time or not, but we could have made it 2-0 at one point because of our high press. I think. It was, yeah, it, I think it was him. Was it Andy Williams that actually ended up yeah, taking the shot on and he skied it? Yeah. Yeah. And, I think Williams yeah. had a shot, but he skied as well, didn't he? A left footer that went in mm. high into the stand. Yeah. yeah. The goal. And I mean, so, I mean, the fact is, for me... Harry Smith, I, I keep wanting to call him Michael Smith. I apologise, Michael Smith. You are much better. Um, but he he just he just looks lazy. That, yeah, that, he, he, I that's agree a little the bit. Best way to put it, he doesn't look like he wants to do the hard work, does he? In the graft, no. um, mm-hmm. whereas and it, it instantly noticeable, isn't it? When against Macclesfield, it was noticeable when Verdane Oliver came on, and again last the other night against Swindon, it was noticeable he wasn't on the pitch for that long but he still was tearing around and giving 100 percent and doing all the dirty stuff wasn't he so i mean if harry smith can start doing that as well then great but it just doesn't look like he he looks comfortable doesn't he when you consider the fact that curl said that he was bringing players in with a work ethic harry smith just doesn't fit the vision that i had thing is with harry smith i think we are quite easy uh, we easily forget is that he came from Macclesfield, didn't he? He did. And so... He paid money for he's, it. Yeah, so he's come from a really poor side. So he's 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 been a good player in a really poor side. Now, we ain't much better than them. However, we've got some good players in there. So I think he's come in and he thinks, okay, this will be a breeze. I'm going to be fine. I'll slot right into this. And it's not as easy as he thinks it is. Well, I don't know if he was a good player for them, going by some of their fans' thoughts on him either. But I think you're right in that respect. And I think he needs, I think maybe getting dropped and a bit of a spell out of the team is hopefully will do him the world of good. Because we shouldn't write him off this early. You never know, he might come good and he might come back a bit of a different man with a bit of a, a rocket up him as such. Um, I mean, you never know, Neil. He might listen to this and just be hating us from now on. He'll be determined to prove us wrong. But I think I saw that. Well, we pay. Yeah. We pay. So we can criticise him. Sorry. We paid to go and watch these games. I think I saw that he'd uh, deleted his Twitter, which is probably no bad thing at the minute for him, I guess. Um, oh, really? But it is early days. Yeah, it is early days for him, isn't it? And, you know, maybe it's just, you don't know. You don't know what's going on, do you? It might be just taking him a while to adjust to location, that sort of thing and stuff. You don't know whether he's moved down here already or whether he's travelling and looking to move. You just don't know, do you? So I don't give him a bit more time, but there's, there's a lot of work for him to do, I think. Well, let's uh, let's look back at Colchester then. Our all-time record against the U's. Um, we've played 76 times. And in that time, we've won 33 and lost 29, um, which for your statisticians out there, it means that we've drawn 14 times. I was quite surprised by that. I've always seen Colchester as a team that, Uh, I've always seen them as being better than us. They've always either been a league ahead of us or at least half a a division ahead, if that makes sense, you know, in the league table. So I'm quite surprised to see that we've actually won more games than they have. I've always... I don't like Colchester, you know. (laughs) 
Do you like anyone, Neil? Um, don't mind cobblers. <laughs> Some, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't like Colchester at all. And, and I much preferred their older ground as well. Layer Road, wasn't it? That, that had, remember on the last podcast when we were discussing about character. So Layer Road definitely had character. Their new ground is it, it's one of their new, it's, it's not too dissimilar to Sixfields, to be honest, in, in the respect that it's not got any real soul to it or anything. It's a bit of a breeze block stadium. They're a bit of a nothing team as well, Colchester, aren't they? They look like they're playing in old Tesco bags. I just, ah, there's nothing endearing about Colchester. It's not even a nice place, is it? I've never been, I'll be honest. My my sister used to live there. Oh, well, apologies to your sister, Chessie. Oh, no, it's fine. She was only she was only studying in Essex. She didn't see much of Colchester. She probably only just saw most of the bars, really, to be honest, because she spent most of her university life. Mary, shall we say? <laughs> well, before you end up falling out with your sister, Jessie, um, they had quite. <laughs> I can't fall out with her. Don't be silly. They had quite a bit of a, a, t- a turnaround or turnover of players during the summer. They've obviously lost Sammy Smodix, um, and they've lost a couple of other key figures. But they have brought in at least some players I've heard of. Let's say um, Giovanni Brown, an attacking midfielder from Cambridge. Um, caused us a bit of grief last season at their place, I seem to remember. He's crap. Omar Sawumni, he's a centre-back from Yeovil. Now, they paid money, apparently, and this is... That's that's interesting. That's according to TransferMarket.com, so I don't believe everything, but they paid about £135,000 for them, according to that website. Don't quite... But the transfer websites are available. Indeed. Um, and then final um, one of note, I would say, is Luke Gambin, who's a left-winger that's come in from Luton. Um, oh, I remember him. He used to play for Barnet, didn't he? He did, yes. That's right, Neil. Yeah. yeah. So they're the three notable. They have made other signings, of course, but they've had a... An indifferent start, I would say, to their league campaign. Um, They're below us, aren't they? They are below us. Yeah, you are right. That's not very hardy. What, to be below us? Well, maybe not today, but yesterday it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it should have been fairly you know, fairly easy to be above us, I think, yeah. They've also sold yeah. um, They sold a, a young, well, I say young, so they sold someone to Ipswich, haven't they, for 500 grand, just like the other day. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a bit of a worry that they've spent. What have they? Did you say that Omer Schwamny went for? About one hundred and thirty-five thousand, apparently. So why on earth are um, Colchester United buying a player for one hundred and thirty-five grand from a team that have been relegated out of the football league, of which that player is a defender? Well, that's a bit of a worry. You think? You think? Uh, I imagine they knew that. It was uh, the, the guy they sold to it, which was Kane Vincent Young, who's a fullback. Um, so I imagine they knew that he was going to go at some point for a fair bit of money. So they, they perhaps could spend knowing that they had some more money coming in. But is that a wise spend, though, if he's been in a defensive, if he's been a defender in a team that have got themselves relegated? Well, no, probably not. But if, if it benefits us, then great. <laughs> 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 that's it, isn't it? That's what that's what really matters. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> first game of the season, they drew one all with Port Vale. Um, then had a one nil defeat away at Plymouth Argyle. Um, beat Swindon three nil in the that's, league. Who Cup. hasn't beat Swindon? Uh, true, that is very true. Who has not beaten Swindon? Let's find that out in a minute. Um, <laughs> then, then they lost to Cambridge um, on Saturday before drawing against Grimsby, as I said earlier, two all. So. I mean, they've only really had, well, they've only had one league win. Um, so no, not, far. They've not won in the league, have they? Have they not? What no, they're, they're, 
I'm sure they've won in the League Cup, didn't they? Or against? Uh, uh, sorry, yeah. So yeah, so they've not won in the league yet. They've got no, one, one drawn two, lost two. Haven't yeah, they? two two draws and and lost two. So hopefully, we'll be adding to their misery. And and who knows? They might be a team that that we're looking at as being potential relegation fodder. I hope so. More than Scunthorpe. Uh. <sighs> Is Kevin Van Veen still at Scunthorpe? I think so. He's in the youth then, team. <laughs> well, let's send, let's get Scunthorpe and Colchester down, and maybe a few others if we can as well. Oldham, Oldham are down there at the minute. Oldham are joint favourites to go down still. Apparently, uh, I like I like Oldham. Oh, I, like, yeah, I do like. You were born there, weren't yeah. you? Oh no, you were born in Bath, raised in Oldham. Yeah, Cobbles no, I do fan. like Oldham. So, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, agreed. <laughs> what about you, Chessie? What are you expecting? Um, it's a it's a difficult one to judge, I think, on the basis that they've played Plymouth and Swindon, because until last night, when obviously they play, played the best team in the league, uh, Swindon were flying, and Plymouth are gonna fly. So it's a difficult one because maybe they haven't come up against opposition that have been as easy to beat. So maybe we are getting ahead of ourselves by saying we we might get a result. I'm not sure. I think it could be fairly even, to be honest. I think. It's not going to be as easy as we think, I don't think. Well, just bear in mind that, that that win against Swindon was in the League Cup and not the League. So there may have been, you know, a bit of, uh, you know, change in personnel for both sides. We That's just won't true. know. That's very true. Uh, so let's get some predictions then. Uh, we'll start with you, Chessie. I think it's going to be 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two. Have you predicted yeah. a win yet for this season? No. Hmm. Oh, okay. No, I haven't. Okay. I haven't. Okay. All right, then. Uh, I'm going with a defeat because I'm a pessimist. Um, we're going to lose 2 0. Charlatan. I am, aren't I? I'm terrible. But it's what I believe. Uh, I am going to predict 3 2 victory. <laughs> 3 3 Because it's going to happen one day. Is that what you're thinking? Well, I predicted 3 2 for Swindon and we won at least. So I'm sticking to it. I don't want to. <laughs> Don't want to jinx anything. Uh, no, I don't want to jinx anything and be at blame for us losing. So three two, uh a double from Andy Williams and a single from Charlie Good. Oh, okay. Lovely. Again. Is that the same that you did last week as well? It is, yeah, it's the same. It yeah. Perfect. We'll just keep with that every single yeah. time, shall we, from now on? <laughs> until, until we lose. <laughs> That's brilliant, guys. Thank you very much for joining me and thank you for listening to It's All Cobblers to Me. We'll be back next Tuesday, hopefully with another three points from our trip to Essex. If you've missed any of our episodes so far, make sure to check out our website, cobblerstome.com. But for now, that's it. We'll see you next Tuesday, guys. Bye. Bye, Ash. E-I-E-I-E-I-O. Up the Football League we go. Bye, Ash. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.